0: thank you for listening to the bjj brick podcast we'll be bringing you brazilian jiu-jitsu and good times we hope to flatten your jiu-jitsu learning
1: curve help you get the most out of your grappling ability and meet your goals both on and off the mat
0: hey guys welcome back to the bjj brick podcast i'm joe i'm on here with my good buddy byron uh, gary's not able to make it today he's been so inspired by uh following Stephen Kesting's journey on his canoe trip that he's decided to launch it of his own, last I I, a mule and a guide named Pappy, and he was heading up to the Yucatan, so we wish him the best of luck, or he's headed to Yukon and Alaska, we wish him the best. Byron, yeah. how you doing?
2: Wow, yes, we try to, try to follow him, but he really doesn't post anything as far as sharing anything like this story you're describing, but I'm doing great and happy to be here, really excited uh, for this episode. Uh, we have Dave Brown joining us, and I I was sent this article that kind of covers Dave Brown by a couple of our listeners. It's on jiu dot com, and the title of the article is, He Started Jiu-Jitsu at 57 Years Old and 300 Pounds. He's now a 61-year-old athlete at the top of his game, and that's true. Like he This guy, David, is fit as a fiddle. Uh, he, he's crushing it out there. He's, he's doing an amazing thing, so I think this is a story that you could— uh, you know get inspired by you can see some of your teammates. It could be you that like hey like hey are you 300 pounds riding jiu-jitsu? that's okay uh David did it, and here he is uh sharing his story today so I uh, really appreciate him uh doing that today and uh I really love finding uh, stories like this and and you find somebody like like dave who's who's well spoken and and really willing to just open up and share with with the community what he's been able to do and And I think it's very inspiring. So, uh, thanks in advance, Dave Brown. (laughs) That'll be coming up shortly
0: here. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we heard somebody at 37 wonder if they're too old to start Jiu Jitsu in here? This guy started at 57. So, definitely an inspiration. I wonder if he had any help his first year, Byron. You think he had any resources? Uh, Maybe he had a game uh, your first year at BGJ. Would that have helped?
2: Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, If he had anything, but I'm sure he had some help. Everybody needs a little help their first year. And and most of the times, you you lean on your coach and your teammates and uh, maybe learn a little bit of one or two things from a podcast or something like that. Uh, Also, another resource for your first year of training would be an audio book made by yours truly, uh, Your First Year of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's about two and a half hours long. It covers everything from finding the right gym for you all the way up to if you want to compete and enter a tournament. So it's kind of a wide range of topics that you'll uh, at least consider your first year of training. And I want to help you smooth out some of those rough spots and, and get through that. Because I really think if you could do a year of jujitsu, uh, you've unlocked a enjoyable activity that you've gotten reasonably good at and that you'll be able to do for the long term. So get you past that first year. Get you on the mats having a good time. Uh, the audio book is eleven ninety nine, and the money goes to help support the show. Uh, there's a link to it in the show notes. So check it out, your first year of Jiu-Jitsu audio book.
0: Yep, once you get past that first year, you're well on your way to a lifetime of Jiu-Jitsu. So it's important to get that first year under your belt and uh, get off to a good start. That brings us to our off-the-mat lesson of the week. Um, Byron, you know I've been building a little bit of a skate park in my house, right? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I poured some cement ramps and uh, uh, had a little bit of a round on it. It's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, one of the ramps I poured, I was in a little bit of a hurry, and I did, you know, was kind of slopping the cement in there, and I knew I was going to have to come back and clean it up when I was done. Figured I'd just hit it with a grinder. And man, it's a big ramp. Uh, So I got out there, started grinding on it. It's hot in Texas right now, humid can't work very long without taking a break. And I went and I told my wife, I said, man, this is going to take me five days at this rate. And I got to thinking, I got looking at the grinder, looking at the uh, grinder wheel. And I thought, man, I'll bet this isn't the best wheel for this application. So I ran into Home Depot, dug through everything they had, finally found something that was specifically geared for grinding cement and stone. I went home and knocked down a couple people. And it just goes to show there's there's no substitute for having the right tool for the job. I'm thinking about jujitsu, and and uh, I think it's a good idea to sort of specialize in some things, get good at one or two things. But um, if if you're uh, grappling against somebody, you're training with somebody that just has really good choke defense, hides their neck really well. You could take that opportunity to work on choking somebody that's really good at defending it, or you could start to look for a, another tool. Or maybe they're exposing an arm at the way that with the way they're defending their neck. Maybe they're. Uh, Uh, Letting up on their base a little bit, you don't get a choke from the guard, but you get a sweep. So it's important when we're pulling to kind of realize that there's almost always a best technique for me in any given position, and and if you find that technique, just like the grinding deal, it just became almost effortless. You find the right technique to accomplish what you need to accomplish, and then it just gets really easy.
2: Yeah, it, it it reminds me of like the only tool you carry is a hammer. Everything looks like a nail. <laughs> so finding the right tool, like if if the only thing you're thinking about, and you get my back, Joe, you're mostly thinking about applying the choke. And I could I could defend that very very you know competitively and really make you work hard for that. But oftentimes the armbar is right there, and so yep. like yeah, take make it easy on yourself. Or you know, there's nothing wrong with re- developing that. Choke offense that you could slice through a solid, uh, you know, a defense. So, working that is it's not wrong, but it's sometimes if you're just wanting to, uh, you know, get that submission or, or work on, you know, just offense in general, the avenue yeah, of least resistance is very nice.
0: Yeah, I think in Jiu Jitsu, I, I think it's very valuable to to work on a choke against somebody that's got really good choke defense. But I think ultimately the, the goal is to get from a bad position to finishing the fight as efficiently as possible. And sometimes you have to practice that. And I think finding the right tool for the job comes in handy. No, knowing what, what's your shortest route. If, if you don't like being in your opponent's half guard, you'd rather be on their back. What's your shortest and, and quickest route to get there? What's the best tool. And, uh, yeah, I just think it's a, it's a good concept to keep in mind.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't realize you were building quite a, uh, you undertook quite the uh, the project there, Joe.
0: I'll share videos. It's, pretty, it's <laughs> going to be pretty extensive, so <laughs> having a good time. Now with you my can grandson. get hurt
2: and banged up in your own backyard. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that are going to the skate park, <clears throat> but that's my experience with skateboarding. I just fall immediately. <laughs> but you seem to be doing uh, very well with it, and and so is he. He's picking it up and having a great time. So that that's cool. Uh, got a. I guess it's a quote, kind of an old, it's an old fire uh, fighter saying, and it describes the fire service. It says, the fire service is 150 years of tradition, unimpeded by progress. And that's an an old saying, and it's definitely not like true literally, but there are traditions that, that we have that really don't help out. There's not a lot of them, but, but, you know, I don't know how long ago before my time, but people were struggling to make changes because, you know, changes is not tradition. Traditionally, we've done this at the fire grounds and, and now you wanted us to look at, you know, learn into to this new technique maybe, or, or how to, how to approach, uh, attacking this fire. Well, we've always done it like this. So with 150 years of tradition, unimpeded by progress, even when there's a better way. Uh, it, that saying doesn't hold true, but it, it does have some uh, a hint of. It's really hard to get people to to make a, a move, even when it's for the better. And I think that you look at Jiu-Jitsu, you could say the, yeah, say the same thing. But I don't know, 150, you know, X amount of years, and some, but some traditions hold true that are uh, maybe questionable as far as is this right for the sport or right for my gym. And you could think about, I don't know, I I hesitate to even say belt whipping because that's not even a tradition. That's a thing that was started not that long ago and kind of took off. And I think it's died back quite a bit getting whipped by a belt when you get promoted. But there are some things like not washing your belt would be maybe a tradition uh, that that (laughs) clearly, you know, moving forward, having into the future, that's not going to hold up. It's, It's a ridiculous tradition. Uh, maybe some of the ways that we used to teach jiu-jitsu as, as far as just like learn by rolling all the time. Not that, you know, we just had an episode, learn from rolling. But the best way to learn, is it's a hybrid of being shown things, discussing it, having some coaching, rolling, uh, failing, you know, improving, making some improvements and then failing better next time. Uh, there's a lot of different things that, that I think will change with how we teach and share jujitsu. And uh, we need to be open for that. You know, we've talked to people about technology and learning jiu and there's some cool things around the corner.
0: Yeah, I really like that you kind of took that away from tradition, so to speak, towards the end and just got started talking about more like training practices. And stuff. One thing that's always bothered me here in the workplace, more in the gym, but is when people say, well, that's the way we've always done it. Like that's a valid reason by itself to continue to do it that way if somebody's presenting you with a different idea that might be better, and uh, I think in in any sport you can get into that with your training methodology that we've been doing this for twenty years and it's been working. That doesn't mean that there might not be a better way if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but that doesn't mean don't try and improve it
2: yeah we'll we'll say, Joe well, Joe, let's get on with our interview with Dave Brown. Here we go. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. His Facebook page has twice as many likes as the BJJ Brick Facebook page, because everyone who likes the BJJ Brick Facebook page also likes his page. But then their moms go and like his page too. He can toehold a duck. The first time he took his opponents back, he never returned it. It now sits on his
1: mantle in a jar of formaldehyde. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Go for the submission, my friends.
2: All right, my friends, I'm excited to bring Dave Brown to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Dave, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you. Glad to be here.
2: Yeah, glad to have you. I w- was first pointed towards you by a couple of our listeners who uh, read an article on times.com uh, and, and it, it the, the article simply says that you started at 57 years old at 300 pounds, and, and now you're 61, and you're, you're one of the top athletes in, in your division. So uh, that is a uh, it's kind of a short story of who you are, but tell us a bit more. Uh, who Who are you? What you're up to?
1: Uh, well I uh, like I said I started at 57 I, years ago many years ago uh, as a young person I wrestled so I was uh jiu jitsu was definitely something that I you know would enjoy I realized right away I went to a uh, uh, my first introduction to uh, jiu jitsu I went to a Naga tournament that my son was in it was his first tournament he would just taken up um uh, DJJ, like six months earlier, and he called me up one morning and said, Hey, Dad, I'm going to be at this tournament. You want to come watch? And, you know, absolutely. And, um, so I go to the tournament, and, uh, there's a couple of guys there, um, that look like they were maybe mid to early to mid 40s or something like that. But, yeah, but clearly, you know, it had adults. It wasn't just for the young people. There were some guys there. And, uh, uh, I mean, immediately, as soon as I saw his first match, I knew I would love it. And uh, <clears throat> literally, it was all I could think about for three days was, uh, was uh, where can I sign up? And I, you know, did a little Google search, and I uh, finally called, uh, you know, the place that I was interested in and talked to the professor. And anyway, signed up, and, uh, you know, we went from there. I, I I was, my biggest thing was, am I just kidding myself? Am I too old? Uh, you know, at the time I was 57, and I thought, you know, <clears throat> this is probably just, there's just no way. You know, I really didn't. I really didn't believe it was possible. But I thought, i got to give it a try. If I don't try it, I know I'm going to regret that. So uh, anyway, so I did, and, uh, uh, you know, it took a while. It took, uh, it took uh, probably a couple of weeks, I'd say, maybe two weeks before I could get through an entire class without sitting out, you know. I was that I was so out of shape, but uh, eventually I got to where I could get through an hour class, and then you know next thing you knew I was doing two or three a week, and pretty soon now I could do you know five six a week wouldn't be a problem at all.
2: (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Uh, How important do you think it was looking back that there were uh, not just kids and some adults like in their twenties and thirties, but there were a few guys that were a little bit older that you're like, well, these guys are doing it. Was that was that pretty fundamentally thinking and getting you on the idea that, that this could maybe be for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I looked around, and most, you know, most of the people in the tournament were in their 20s and 30s. And, of course, they had, you know, kids, too. Um, but at the time when I was there, they were running the adults. Uh, but there were a couple of guys, and, you know, I asked, is there an age limit? No, no, no age limit. Uh, well, you know, if they can do it, uh I'm gonna give it a try, and I, you know, I was fair, you know, another ten, fifteen years older than those guys. But I thought, well, you know, I'm not, not, I don't think it was uh, out of the range of possibility. Let's put it that way. I really didn't think it would be uh, that I could do it, but I thought, well, there's a there's a possibility. So, yeah, that you know that made a difference. I was glad to see that there was a sport that it involved that where older people could participate. If they, you know, if they wanted to and felt up to it and so on.
2: How much did your wrestling background uh, come back to you?
1: Well, you know, at first I thought, well, there, this isn't going to help at all. It was 36 years earlier that I had wrestled, and I thought, well, there's no way this is going to do me any benefit um, because I'd forgotten everything. I, 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 literally, I hadn't done it in so long that I, I couldn't remember anything. But you know what it's like? It's like a foreign language. If you if you say you were fluent in a foreign language and then haven't used it for a long, long time, um, yeah, you forget a lot and so on. But you start using it and it comes back so quick. It, it's it's just like uh, you know the brain controls uh, our language. The brain also controls our motor skills, and it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. So. Um, my wrestling uh, background, I think, really did help a lot. Still does. I still do things. Sometimes I do things just by reaction, and it works out beautifully. I think, God, I don't remember doing that, but uh, um, where'd that come from, you know?
2: Yeah. It, so how, just to dive a little deeper into that, how much did you wrestle? I mean, how, how'd how your wrestling career go?
1: Well, I, I wrestled uh, through college. Okay. So... Yeah, I, I wrestled in high school and uh, started actually started in junior high and then uh, wrestled through high school and then on uh, through college. I wrestled uh, for Purdue.
2: Wow, that, so you're a pretty serious wrestler, but uh, definitely uh, there was that time gap in between. Uh, you know, your wrestling and your jiu jitsu, and and I'm not surprised that it came back to you. I, it seems like when I roll with somebody who's just starting jiu jitsu, I could usually guess whether they've wrestled or not and uh, I'm sure your your teammates felt the same. Like, oh, this guy's probably wrestled before.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It took a little while, but, it, you know, stuff started coming back, uh, you know, pretty quick. I mean, things that uh, – and, and, you know, like I hadn't done a double leg in, in 36 years. You know, I like I go to Pan Ams, and, you know, right off the bat, I take the guy down with a double leg. And we hadn't even practiced it. Um, we had practiced other takedowns, but uh, – You know, it was just natural for me to just do a double leg takedown. Uh,
2: So you you mentioned that was hard for you to get through just a full practice. It took you a while to get to that point. How Describe to us a little bit how out of shape were you? Were you doing anything physically before you decided to hop on the mats, or did you get in shape before that?
1: Uh, No, actually for 36 years I sat in front of a computer all day. Uh, You know, I have a desk job. I'm an engineer, structural engineer, and uh, really hadn't, hadn't been real active since, uh, since college. Um, and, yeah, I was way out of shape. I mean, I was at the point where if I go up a flight of stairs, I'd, you know, be breathing hard. So, so I definitely needed to do something. And my doctor told me I needed to do something. He said that, uh, you know, based on my lab results and everything, he it said uh, I had type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure. He said, man, you've got to do a real lifestyle change. And you've got to do it right now. he said the party's over, and uh man, thank God, jujitsu came along because it really it changed my life. Everything got better. all my you know blood tests came back uh my a one c which is the um is what they look at for uh diabetes, came back not only normal but in the mid range of of normal um high, my blood pressure went down all the numbers got better like almost immediately so much so that he sent me to a cardiologist he said man when we get that big a change in your heart <laughs> he said i know it's all good he said i know everything's gotten better but he said anytime time we get a, a big change we got to send you to a cardiologist he said i'm you know like 99 or 90% sure that it's it's all good and that it what it's from it's from your exercise routine I just want to confirm that, and so you know, he sent me to cardiologist. He said, "Oh yeah," I said, "That's you know, you've done exactly what we tell our patients to do." Your my pulse rate went way down, went down to the uh, upper forties, where I think before it was like seventy or something, wow. which even seventy wasn't too bad. Um, but when it got down that low, my doctor got kind of concerned. He thought, "Man, there's something is is something wrong here." <laughs> uh, and the cardiologist said, no, absolutely. He said, if you, uh, you've been working out like that, then, yeah, your, your heart rate will come down.
3: Dave,
2: was there any concern at the beginning of, of getting into jiu-jitsu that you might overdo it? And, you know, like your, your doctors mentioned, you had a, a risk of having a stroke or heart attack. W- were, you, were you not getting through the whole classes because you were tired, or were you saying, I need better back off a little bit, I need to be, be safe with, with what I have?
1: No, it was just because I was tired. Okay. I just, in fact, I even asked my doctor that. Now I didn't tell him right off the bat I was in jiu I, I I started jujitsu. I go see the doctor every six months, and I want to say within like two months I went to see him. You know, the the next my next appointment was like two months later. So I hadn't really lost a whole lot of weight. I had been working out, but uh, you know, only two months. And I asked him. I said, "Can you work out too much?" He said, "No." Don't worry about that. (laughs) All right. All right. I didn't tell him what it was. I just said, can you work out too much? I was a little concerned about that. But, man, he said that. I said, you know, um, the thing is, your body um, will uh, temper things. You know, when you're too tired, you're going to sit out. And uh, that's what I did.
2: Wow. Dave, I I know a lot of uh, guys, uh, like, I guess between our age rates, I'm basically, I turned 40 here in a little bit. and. That, that that do not go to the doctor uh, a lot of guys just they, they go 10 15 20 years without seeing a, a physician uh, is that what were you in that boat and you went in and, and he was like dude you got to get your health under control or were you going you know every year or so and and just kind of uh sailing along like that
1: No, i was definitely in that boat i didn't go hardly at all my wife used to get on me all the time by going to the doctor and uh Anyway, our uh, insurance changed, and I had to change doctors. Anyway, so I can't remember. It was like uh, it was probably a couple years before I uh, uh, started uh, BJJ, and uh, um, I went to this doctor, and uh, and he told me he said, "Man, you got to do something." Uh, He said, "You know, in the shape I was in," and he said, "I want to see you every six months." And I finally decided, you know what? I'm just gonna do that. And uh, so anyway, since then, I've been going to see him every six months um, and, you know, not much changed a little bit, not much until jujitsu and then everything changed.
2: I, I hear a lot about the difference between, um, you know, great workouts and also uh, a, a much better diet. How much has your diet totally changed or is most of this based on you just get on the mats and, and just working really hard?
1: Well, at, at first, all I did was jiu-jitsu, I, the, and I started to lose some weight. Um, and then, of course, the professor and others, you, you know, talk about good diet and so on. So I thought, you know, I'm going to uh, – I'm glad I'm losing weight. Let me – let's see about encouraging this by trying to eat a little bit better because my professor's really big on uh, nutrition and eating right. And uh, so I kind of looked into it, and um, – Anyway, I did change my diet. Uh, The biggest thing was I cut out sugar to the extent possible. Uh, I had no idea how much sugar there was in all these products. Milk, I didn't know milk had that much sugar in it. Um, Just all kinds of things. when you start reading labels, it's shocking. So that was the biggest thing is I cut out as much sugar from my diet as I could. And then I try to keep the carbs down. I'm not on any special diet. I don't count calories or points or you know, system. I got all these things. I don't do any of that. Um, uh, just eat reasonable amounts and try to eat healthy food. And it makes a huge difference. It really does. Cause when I started doing that, then it really started coming off between the exercise and the eating right. It really made a difference. And I feel a whole lot better.
2: What was it like your first couple of uh classes like like you go in there were there any guys about your age or was it, are you a room full of young young men or or young men and women what were, what was that, f- that first uh few stages like
1: uh, mostly they are young guys you know uh we got a, some young gals um but mostly you know guys in their 20s and 30s um there was one guy um he still comes he he usually goes to a uh, earlier class than I do, but uh, that was actually a couple years older than me. Uh, everyone else was younger. There were some, uh, there's, you know, a couple that are around in their 40s, you know, but uh, mostly they were, you know, younger guys.
2: How how did the uh, idea that you wanted to go compete, did that something you brought you brought in when you walked in the door, like my, I, I saw my son compete at Naga, I want to start competing in jiu-jitsu, or did you just want to try jiu-jitsu and it was introduced some other way?
1: I wanted to compete the second I saw the match, my first match. That was all I wanted to do. I, I had no interest in, in practice or any, you know, I wanted to compete. I mean, that was from day one, uh, immediately. It was, you know, I hadn't competed on a mat in 36 years, and the idea that I would do that again was just, it was just this overwhelming desire. And so, um, so, from you know the second I saw it, that was the goal, and that's why I told my professor, and I said, "I want to compete um you know, even if it's if I can only just compete for a couple of tournaments, I'll be happy just i I just want to compete and so the deal we cut was he said, "Well, you sign up here for a year, and uh he said i'll we'll make you a competitor, and that was in March of twenty sixteen and it just so happens you know Pan Ams is in March so they were like going on at the time or I think they had just finished up and he said we'll just make it a goal that you'll be uh, you'll compete at Pan-Ams in 2017 and that was my my first big tournament. I did do a I think a local one prior to that but uh but anyway, that was the goal and um yeah, that's about what it took. It took about a year to get in shape and and in a condition where I could, you know, compete. But from you know, day one, that was what I wanted to do.
3: Yeah. That's
2: that's uh, maybe a big uh, driving factor as far as is getting you to train really hard and, and that sort of thing. Were you doing? Or do you do much off the mat training?
1: Um, I'll do weightlifting and running; those two.
2: And and how? Oh. What's the? Are you running when you can't go do jujitsu, or do you do you kind of mix them together, or? When do you do those other activities?
1: I try to get I try to get some cardio in every day, and if that you know if I can uh, if I do sparring a lot of times in some of these classes we'll spar for a half an hour or so then that's fine I got my cardio in um, otherwise I try to do you know I try to run.
2: So you, you obviously you you started out by the time you competed were you a blue belt or a white belt?
1: a blue belt got my blue belt at Pan Am's that morning
3: <laughs> all right <laughs> so
1: i just got blue. yeah it uh so I, I basically i had i had gone for 1 year and uh i b j j f um i think it's after it's either after masters 2 or 3 uh they only have blue belt there is no white belt at at masters i can't remember if it's 3 okay. and up or 4 and up and so um if you're going to be a white belt i you got to you know, drop down all the way to like masters two, I think it is, and so, uh, so anyway, um, for me to compete at IBJJF uh, with guys anywhere close to my age, you know, I'd have to be a blue belt. So that was the goal, and uh, you know, that's what happened.
2: And then you, you, you're now a purple belt. What's what, when did that happen?
1: That happened. Uh, what? Uh, let's see. Two months ago, I think. Yeah, I think two months ago okay yeah I think that's I think that's about right. Was it march Wait a minute I was pan before Pan Ams again, okay, so yeah, then I was a blue belt for two years and then uh, and then Pan Ams in two thousand and nineteen because i I did Pan Ams in two thousand and seventeen and eighteen as a blue belt, and then the week of Pan Ams this last time, which was tw- March of two thousand and nineteen uh, earlier that week, I got my purple belt, and then on um, at the end of the week i um, you know, participated in uh, Pan Am's 2019.
2: Uh, Dave, I forgot to ask you: uh, Where are you training at, and and who's your who's your coach?
1: I train at Halcyon Jiu-Jitsu, which is uh, in Spring, Texas, and uh, the coach is uh, Matt Smith.
2: All right, and you started this watching your your son do a nugget. Does your son still train? Yes, uh huh. Do you get much Matt time with him is he is he live near you or
1: He lives a little ways away um but there's a gy- the gym he goes to is kind of uh uh right in between the two you know where we both uh live and so usually what we'll do is uh, we'll meet up there uh, on Sundays for open mat
2: That that's uh, sounds like a good way to to continue having a uh, a good relationship with your son as he enters into adulthood. <laughs>
1: yeah, as yeah, we really worked out beautifully. That, and that was, of course, another you know, one of the main reasons I wanted to get involved. I thought, well, Dan, it'd be something Dan and I can do together. And, um, you know, I, I really thought that uh, that was his first competition. And uh, that's his only competition. I don't know. He, after that, he didn't really care to compete. I really was surprised. I, I thought that he would want to uh, to compete, too. But as it turns out, I ended up being the one that wanted to compete so much. and. Um, he'll come watch me, and of course we do open mat together and you know that kind of thing but uh but uh yeah he doesn't he just doesn't care to compete
2: dave what what does your your game look like if it's going well if you're executing things that you want to do um what's that are, are you getting takedowns are you are you working from the top or, or what's going on
1: yeah definitely a takedown i'll i'll uh, i'll go for the takedowns and um uh, a lot of times guys pull guard on me they know i'm a wrestler they know i'm gonna do takedowns, so they you know they pull guard but uh uh if i can take them down before they pull guard then uh, you know that that would be my goal um and then once on top uh you know just try to improve my position get to mount and uh and a submission usually with an um an armbar an americana a camora something like that that's that's usually what i'll go for but um uh, Oh, every now you know, I'll get some chokes. I've done, you know, certain chokes and so on. But that's that's primarily, you know, my game. I, I like to be on top. I you tend to do better on top.
2: Are you pretty much exclusively gi or do you do much no gi?
1: I do no gi. Yeah, usually the uh, at the bigger tournaments uh, we'll do no gi. Um, I don't do as much, but um, but I'll I'll do no gi
2: which which do you, you you train more gi or is it pretty much a mix um, for,
1: mostly gi we we have one class a week that is no gi
2: if you if you had a friend in a similar situation um, you know mid to late 50s who wanted to start jiu-jitsu and let's just say they, they didn't even they didn't have that wrestling background they were just wanting to get in better shape uh, what kind of advice would you give them to to get a good start at jiu-jitsu
1: well, I'd say uh, definitely give it a try. Um, I mean, go into it with an open mind. Uh, give it a try. Um, you know, don't feel like you have to, you know, push yourself real hard, you know, right off the bat. Uh, nobody cares. I, you know, that was one thing. I was, I thought, man, I'm going to go in there. It's, I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm going to look terrible. Yeah, nobody cares. That's the point. Nobody cares. Uh, they're just happy you're there. Uh, they'll be very supportive. They'll help you. Um, if you need to sit out, sit out, you know, uh, it's no big deal. Um, but just hang in there. Don't, don't give up. You know, that first, after that first, uh, session, you'll wake up the next morning, may have a hard time getting out of bed. you will be so sore, but, uh, um, you know, give it, give it a couple of days, let your body, uh, that soreness out and then just keep going and it'll get better. And, uh, you'd be amazed at how, how much a difference it can make.
2: Yeah, I think we've. If you enjoy jujitsu, I think we've found kind of a a cheat to staying fit. As in, you don't have to drag yourself to somewhere to exercise that you dislike. It's it's rather fun. The, the activity of it. Usually, you're surrounded by friends as you as you're training because you get close with with uh, with the people on the mats, and it's just it's kind of a. I feel like I I don't have to go work out. I just go do jujitsu, and I happen to get a good workout when I do that. Yeah, uh, I, I can't always motivate myself to go work out, Like <laughs> I always, am always happy to go train jiu-jitsu.
1: Yeah, yeah, going to the gym, just the standard gym to weight lift or run on the treadmill. To me, it's just drudgery, you know. Uh, but now I can go to, I can even go to the gym and weight lift, and it's more fun because I'm doing it for a purpose.
3: Yeah, that makes... I'm
1: doing it to be a better competitor, and so now that I've got that goal out there, um, all of a sudden, it you know, it's not so much of a drudgery.
2: Yeah, that that makes that makes sense to me. Uh, you, you mentioned about you know not wanting to go and and to get embarrassed. And we've we've talked about on the show before. This this rule is called twenty, forty, and sixty rule. When you're twenty, you care what people think about you, and you try to you know make that happen. And when you're forty, you don't care what they think about you. And when you're sixty, you realize nobody thinks about you. They think about themselves. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> So there's really no reason to be nervous about what people are thinking about you when you start jujitsu, or when you're in the gym working out. If you're lifting not enough weights, or if you're you're, you're running slow or whatever, nobody's worried about you. They're worried about what they're doing, and uh, yeah, that's that's something that I think the sooner you realize that, the easier things get for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing, you know. Advice for somebody who has never grappled. So s- switch it. Like if you were to give yourself advice when you when you started, um, what would what would have been? The advice to get you uh I, I guess you had a great start anyway but if you could give yourself advice back when you were just starting just what would it have been
1: oh i'd say uh take it slow tap early yeah don't worry about tapping out tap early or real early don't you know no sense in um you know letting something go a little further than you should have um you know, mainly just take it easy, especially at the at the beginning. Get yourself in shape and and slowly uh, add more sessions or a little bit longer time or throw in some weightlifting and so on. I I tend to push myself a little hard uh, too fast, and uh, that would have been that probably would have been a really good advice back then. It was just you know try to go a little bit slower and work up to it.
2: Yeah, I like the, the tapping early. A lot of times you it's just it's perfectly fine to tap to the uh, position of that submission. So once, like, for me, I, I still tap really early on kamuras. So if you get a Kimura on me and your hands, both your hands have good grips, uh, I'm usually happy to tap right there. Or if my, yeah, like, it's okay to tap to an armbar where your arm is still bent. The position of the armbar is good. You, you can't really escape this. It's fine to tap and not have to have your elbow hyperextended.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah, that's tap early is is great advice for anybody so, have you ever had uh an injury yet in jiu-jitsu
1: i tore my mcl was the was the uh the biggest one oh recently i had a little uh torn uh, tendon in my finger and it's it's getting better um it's a whole lot better now um but my mcl that put me out for uh oh man that put me out for several months in that first year and it it was uh I just couldn't do anything. I'd go to class and just uh, watch uh, for like several, let's see, almost four months. It was, uh, and it was just, you know, nobody had done anything wrong. I was just uh, uh, sparring, and I just uh, planted my foot and pushed off of it really hard like uh, uh, bridging. And, uh, man, it just popped, you know, and it tore so it can happen, and uh, I now watch it. Right, I've gotten better at uh, knowing uh, what not to do, and and you know, watching certain things like that knee. I don't. Uh, there's certain things I just I won't twist it certain ways. Yeah, and I haven't been I haven't been hurt since. That
2: that that's good. It's <laughs> that, that's an important thing as well to 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 protect yourself, and you know, you're you're now in in great shape. And I urge everybody to go look at the the pictures in the article, uh, the transformation you've had. Just life-altering changes. But you also don't want to uh, damage your body in the process. I mean, so, so being able to protect yourself on the mass is, is also very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. you, you mentioned you're an engineer. Have you seen any have you learned anything in your career that you've brought to Jiu-Jitsu, maybe a different angle or a different thought than most, or maybe vice versa? Have you learned something on Jiu-Jitsu that you've taken to work?
1: Huh. Well, you know, um, as a structural engineer, uh, we, uh, concerned about forces and what they call moments and things like that. Yeah. And that's actually applies in Jiu-Jitsu, uh, pressure points and, and how you, uh, um, oh, well, it's hard to explain here. Uh, it, it actually does come into play somewhat. Yeah, seeing how um, how you can uh, best uh, use pressure and um, in a way to uh, overcome uh, certain holds and so on. It actually does. It, it's and, and there was a there was a professor at uh, who is he with? Mavens, I think. And he put on a little seminar. He was a uh, he was a math teacher and he was uh he gave some really good examples of uh jujitsu and geometry and how to use that and i thought it was fascinating because it was really true you know about uh oh just the the, the fundamentals of sweeps and certain things and how we use uh, geometry, and if you can if you can see the geometry, you can see why we tilt a certain way and why we need to pull a guy you know a certain way. Um, and it really is true; it it uh, it's all physics. It really is. So, um, in some ways, yeah, I think it it I can see some of
2: it. Yeah, like having a better understanding of physics than the average person would definitely help you understand why. Uh, you're able to off-balance somebody or, or why you're able to keep your balance in a situation, maybe?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think so.
2: That's th- th- that, I'm always interested in, in people uh, being able to take something from Jiu-Jitsu and apply it to the other part of their life or vice versa. So that's that's pretty neat. Do you, what are your goals for the, the next uh, little while or so?
1: Well, my biggest goal uh, coming up would be World Masters, and I definitely want to uh, get double gold. That would be my, uh, my immediate goal, and that's what I'm working towards. Um, I have at least one tournament between now and then. I've got one in Austin coming up in, I think, two weeks. Um, I may do another one. Um, there are several that are coming up uh, before World Masters. World Masters is in August. And I'll get to, it's in Las Vegas. I'm going to get there about a week uh, ahead of time. And there's a camp at uh, Alliance in uh, Las Vegas uh, with Lucas Lepery um, and uh, like two-a-day sessions for the week uh, ahead of World Masters. So anyway, I'm going to attend that. So I should be in, uh, should be in pretty good shape uh, for World Masters
2: that's great um so when do you uh knowing your body and and your training schedule that tournament has a has a date on it um do you you just train the same all the time or do like the month up ahead you're, you're starting to alter your game plan a little bit or you know the last couple weeks you're doing things differently
1: well i try to do at least one tournament a month and um Sometimes two. So really, I just about have to just train the same, you know, all the okay. time.
2: so you're competing all now, the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the week before the tournament, no weightlifting. So I don't do any weightlifting for at least, you know, seven days prior to an event. But I'll still do full sparring and so on. Now, the, the day before, I won't do anything. I'll, I'll take that day off. Um, and and the day before that, so two days before uh, it'll be light. I won't do anything, you know, no, nothing hard, uh, no you know, hard sparring or anything like that. Um, and that's about the only change that I really make is the few days before a tournament, I alter it a little bit. Otherwise, I have to just keep going because, yeah. you know, I've always got the next tournament after that. I yeah. don't take yeah. a, yeah it's not like i take you know several months off or anything like that i just keep going i'm trying to get in as many tournaments as i can while i can okay <laughs> I, I mean i know that hey, there's no way I, you can do this you know for me my years are numbered i can only do it for so many more years i don't know what that number is um but you know at 61 um i you know i, I know it's I, I don't have the years that Say these twenty and thirty year olds have. So, do you think you'll, you'll continue
2: to train like even if you if you're not competing?
1: I think so. I think so. I think I could probably help uh, you know with the classes, help teach, or, or you know, uh, still be involved. Um, but for now, I'm going to compete, yeah. and uh, I'm glad I can. And I'm you know that's all I'm thinking about right now.
2: I, I look at the different uh, cycles in, in people's lives, you, you know, from from your school age. And doing jujitsu and and being a student and trying to train and then being some people you know being a parent and trying to train and trying to balance those lifestyles and then uh, do you think this is a a good time in your life to be able you you, you compete a lot <laughs> and I think a lot of people with with young children at home or just developing careers it's hard for them to find that much time to compete is it an advantage as far as with your schedule and kind of your off the mat life you know does it help you with jiu-jitsu being where you are now.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we're empty nesters. So all of our kids are grown and and they've all got jobs and you know one of them is married. Um so, you know, we've got a lot more time on our hands. The other thing is I um I'm a business owner and my uh so my my uh, the business pretty well runs itself. It uh I've got some great group of guys here that uh can handle it. So that that frees me up um you know, I can uh, take a lot of time off and off of work, and um, so it, it's really helped a lot. I, did, I guess my what I'm saying is my time is much more flexible than back when, uh, you know, we had small children and so on. It's just a lot lot tougher to to work uh, jujitsu into your schedule with all the things that a family, you know, has going on. So, that yeah, that has definitely been a big help.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so that's, I mean, if I'm just thinking if, if somebody's, you know, in their – their 30s or 40s and, and they're just so busy they could train a little bit but they have no time to compete hang in there and, and maybe uh you know as, as things continue to grow and develop you'll you'll get some more free time and you could go out there and and compete like you want to and, and i think you're a great inspiration for that
1: yeah absolutely yeah it it makes a big difference
2: uh dave if somebody wants to uh get a hold of you ask you a question or, or just to just to tell you thanks for for who you are it uh, would be a good place to do that
1: uh, well, they could, uh, message me on, um, on Facebook. I am on Facebook. Um, it'd be just David E. I think it's David E. Brown, um, Spring, Texas.
2: Okay. I'll put a, I'll link to that in the, in the show notes so people could find you easily. And I definitely encourage them to check out the article on Jiu-Jitsu Times. I'll have a link to that as well.
1: Any, okay.
2: any final advice or thoughts you want to share with the audience?
1: Uh, just hang in there, you know, give, give Jiu-Jitsu a try For those of you on the fence thinking about it or whatever, uh, give it a try. Give it your best efforts, uh, and then just hang in there and uh, keep at it. Um, You know, it it does get better and better. It really does. You know, at first, especially for us older guys, it it, it can be a little overwhelming, but, uh, uh, you know, take it easy and uh, hang in there.
2: Yeah, that's awesome, and uh, uh, give it a try. And that's kind of, if, if you enjoy it, great if it's if you could give it a try it is totally not for you <laughs> well you tried it and, and keep trying for something else that you also enjoy and, and counts as a as a fitness activity you know whether that's i don't know dancing or uh, some other class like that find something that's fun and that also is a workout and uh, i think we're lucky to have jutsu for that
1: yeah absolutely
2: David, uh, I uh, really enjoyed you being on the show today. Um, Looking forward to watching you uh, continue on to compete and and to train and get better and better. Thank you so much for being on here with me. All
1: right. Well, thank you, Byron.
2: And it was great to have uh, Dave on the show and and share some of his story. And, you you know, Dave, he comes with a strong wrestling background, and that definitely helped him transition to uh, doing well on the competitive mats. But it really doesn't matter. Yeah, he's he's I, I promise you he's burning more calories training than he is competing although he competes all the time he's competing like once a month that's that's crazy but he he's the reason why he's fit is he's training hard and and i guess the fuel for that is he wants to compete well but if he would go out there and not do well but continue to train hard and and to do and do all things he's doing, he's still going to be a super fit guy. Like his body doesn't realize if he's winning all these tournaments, he's got tremendous health benefits. So if, if you don't have that tremendous wrestling base, you're thinking about Jiu-Jitsu, it, it might be a little bit of a tougher start, but that doesn't matter. It's, it's still going to be an enjoyable process. You're still going to get better. There's leaps and bounds of, of betterness that you could get in even a short amount of time. Uh, it, it, you know, you could experience that and it, and it really feels good. And, the health benefits for a lot of us are like a secondary benefit. I get to go hang out with my friends for an hour and a half. And as a side note, I get a really good workout. I would go to jujitsu if it didn't even count as working out. If it was, if it was, if I didn't even break a sweat. not that the two don't match, but if it didn't count for a workout, if I had to use, I don't know, somebody else's body and, and they got the workout instead, I would still go. It's still a very fun, enjoyable activity. So, the, the, the key is in your training and, and it, whether you're having the, the awesome success Dave's having or not, you're still doing great things uh, for your own health, which is a big
0: win in the long run. Yeah, so set, set a guy like Dave out there way out as a long-term ideal, but don't start jiu-jitsu and, and expect to have the same results as anybody else and, and don't be discouraged if yours are slower or yours are different. Uh, 57 is not too old to start jujitsu, whether you're going to be a competitor like Dave, or you're just going to go to the gym a couple of times a week and train with your friends. Just get on the mats.
2: Yep. We've got a question in here and she wants to know about, uh, recommendations for somebody who's got a little over a year of training and she wants to know, what should she be working on? Okay. That's a very broad question as far as if you don't know the person and if you, you have any spent mat time, whatever, like a question of our pocket. What should somebody with a year of training be working on? But I do feel that there are some areas we could help guide here. Uh, Do you have any ideas about this one, Joe?
0: Well, I think at a year, there's a couple things you should be starting to do that you weren't doing at six months. one of those would be to start to understand how uh, different positions and different techniques kind of fit together. Um, You know, Have some transitions that go from sweep straight into a a pass or sweep straight into a submission. Um, You know, develop a little series like you from closed guard for a Kimura, and if they defend that, you go for the sweep. If they drive back into you, you go for a guillotine. Just just little things like that that fit together, I think, is one of the things you want to start looking at.
2: Yeah, that's great. And it it is easier to land a. A, a combination of things, because if if Joe attacks with an armbar, I defend that. If Joe's anticipating my defense, which there's only so many ways that I'm likely to defend it, and he has an answer for my next thing, he could often find himself a step ahead of me. And it's not like he's learning a million techniques. He might let's just say he's he does armbar and a triangle. Well, he's just combining. these. So when I pull my arm out, he starts attacking that triangle. Boom! He's 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 doubled his attack. And when I pull my arm out like that, I'm in a, I'm in a bad spot. And, and I re- reacted in a way that, that Joe predicted, and he's, he's a step ahead of me at that point. I think another thing you could think about at that kind of that year mark is what things are you kind of naturally getting good at? You know, we all have by that time a couple of favorite submissions, maybe a sweep or that you really enjoy or a takedown, and start to work on making that even better. You know, start working on picking on those blue belts if you can, and and, and working up your, uh, working up that chain and or that ladder, and and uh, and making, making your basic attacks that that you're good at even better, you know, like building bricks. You know, building something that is going to be one of your more reliable techniques. And you know, if we could, you could quite easily be at that year mark and and you're. Kind of have that wide range of, of things you've you've looked at over the course of the year, uh, but I do think it's about time to start uh, narrowing down your focus uh, during your training, during your off the mat learning, during your actual rolling. What you're trying to pull off—that's a good time to start doing that if you're not already. I want to give a quick shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Joseph. He signed up uh, a little bit ago in July. Uh, really appreciate Joe uh for supporting us it on Patreon and uh what what Joe's done is or Joseph, I'm sorry Joe <laughs> <laughs> We got a Joe right here. <laughs> but uh what Joseph has done is he's he's started the podcast, he's he's thought, boy, I'd like to help these guys out and make this show uh, as good as it could possibly be and support them and, and and help them do uh what they're doing with with the podcast. So there's a link in the show notes or on the website for Patreon. Click on that link, just like Joseph did. It takes you uh, to a little description about uh, our Patreon stuff. But uh, I'll mail out a five inch BJJ brick gee patch. Wait a minute. Two of those. <laughs> Forget about that. I need to change my little notes here. It says ghee, a gee patch. <laughs> I still have some of the old uh, throwback gee patches, and, and the new gee patches are uh, amazing. Uh, Uh, With the level of detail and and the stitch work on those, those are going to look good on any gi. Uh, But okay, so I'm going to get two free, or as a token of appreciation, uh, gi patches, and I'll throw a sticker in there. And uh, Joseph, I haven't seen you join a private Facebook group yet, but recording this a little bit ahead of time. So uh, if you haven't joined the private Facebook group, send me a message on Facebook. I'm the only Byron Jabara on Facebook. (laughs) b-y-r-o-n j-a-b-a-r-a i don't know Uh, that's pretty easy way to to find kind of uh kind of click into that and i'll get you invited to the private facebook group if you're a patreon supporter we'd love to have you there we do a lot of behind the scenes trash talking to gary and uh that's always fun man i do so (laughs) a couple of things a little housekeeping i guess uh and, and Joe I don't I haven't even I haven't told you this last Monday we had to actually skip that episode because uh it just didn't work out with the schedule and anybody and I wasn't able to record an episode on my own I that's very difficult and and I didn't have the uh the time to even set that up and and do that I, I was fairly busy so we missed last Monday so here we're back and Gary is still unavailable this week and uh Anyway, <laughs> Gary's okay. He's we, we pick on each other a lot. He's not mad at us. <laughs> I've known Gary since 2002. We're good buddies. Uh, you know, you get a few people worried about, hey, what's happening back there? No, we're all good. Uh, it's just, just like, I don't know, Joe. I was thinking it, sometimes, some weeks, it is super easy and, and really fun to get out of podcast. And, and I always enjoy recording. But some weeks I am scrambling to piece together the elements of a podcast and it's affecting like a lot of my, I would say off the mat stuff, but it's my non-podcasting life is, you know, thrown up and and cause a bit of chaos and I've got other things in my life that I'm trying to juggle as well. So I was like, you know what, on Monday, last week, we'll just have to skip that one and that's going to have to not be a big deal. And and I think that occasionally doing that makes life a lot easier for podcasters uh we haven't done that in the past but uh it's just it's just I think something I don't want to do very often. I don't like, you know, obviously we'd like to be really reliable for you guys and, and bring a show every week. But uh it's just been uh been a tough, you know, week and a half or so for the for the podcast as far as off the air, off the podcast. I keep wanting to say off the mat. But uh we're getting that piece back together. I do go on vacation in a little bit here. We're hoping to get a few episodes stacked up before I leave. Hopefully, we won't have to skip anything, but uh, if we do, I think it's just easier for long-term podcasting if I'm not trying to try and, like, and stressing out other parts of my life and keeping everybody, uh, you know, keeping keeping my off-the-air life uh, good as well. So, <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> I didn't even tell you, Joe, uh, we had to miss, uh, we're missing uh, last week as far as uh, putting an episode out just because it is just too tricky to get there. all the things Figured out. And that's... I don't know. I think that's okay. Yeah.
0: I, I knew I was unavailable. I didn't know Gary was also, so...
2: Yeah. Um. That's okay. I mean, like... <laughs> it should be... It shouldn't be a point where, like, you're scrambling to make it work, and it's stressful. Like, if we keep this enjoyable, just like jiu-jitsu, we'll be able to do this a lot longer. If we start stressing about, hey, we really can't miss this week, and, and, and really, you know, making it
0: uh, a pressure thing, I think that... Yeah, so you ever read any of Stephen Covey's books?
2: The Seven Habits of Highly uh, Average People?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you read that one?
2: I I can't remember. I read so many books. I probably have. That's it.
0: Yeah, I I read it. One of the things he talked about in there was uh, – getting too busy putting out little fires okay. and sometimes and sometimes you're and then a new one starting a new one starting and, and you're always three three behind and sometimes you just got to step away from a couple of them and let them burn themselves out and you know you, you just can't keep doing that and i think that's applicable to what you're saying man yeah. if you're if you're chasing yourself and you're killing yourself trying to get a podcast out then the next one's difficult and take a yeah that's that's
2: uh that's a good way to i I forgot about that, <laughs> but but that's basically what's happening. I'm trying to get uh, to where we have uh, uh, th- we're or actually it'd be nice to be three podcasts up. So when I I, I do go on uh, this trip with my wife, uh, they all auto publish and and everything is run smoothly. But I needed some time to get that kind of I guess the behind the scenes uh, stuff organized because. I don't know. This may not be interesting to people, so was. <laughs> we like to be super reliable. Uh, and we'll try in the, in the future, but occasionally. And, and like last episode, I did say, hey, guys, just a quick note here. Uh, we're going to miss an episode next week. So I like to give you guys a heads up so I'm not a total shock. But anyway, uh, Joe, it's been fun recording with you today. And uh, and uh, we're getting ready to record another one. So Gary uh, won't even be on that one. <laughs> but with, with the deal is at the end of the, uh, at the month, We have our big uh, topic episode, and we definitely need Gary uh, to fill his uh, very tiny shoes (laughs) that he wears. (laughs) So we we want him to be there for that one, so we won't be able to record two that day because it's a long day of recording to pull that off. So anyway, uh, Joe and I are going to click off here. We'll come right back next week, but in reality, it'll be just a few seconds, and we'll record two episodes this afternoon. Anyway, stay
0: sweaty, my friends. Uh, Don't forget to shower. Train hard. Train Train smart. smart. (laughs) Get better, guys. We'll see you on the mats. Uh, I forgot
2: to mention that uh, Nikki Sullivan, uh, Autos Black Belt, uh, will be uh, our interview next week. So really excited to bring you guys, Nikki. It was a great interview. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all,
0: the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.